Welcome, everybody. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book. I watched two movies. Two. Take that, Taylor. This week, we're doing Little Women. Here we go. I just saw the Greta Gerwig film, and then I watched the 1994 film. That's what I did. And actually, it is two books. It's a two-part book, so I read two books. (gasps) You got me. No, I I don't like this. Take it back. (laughs) Yeah, Little Women. The book has been out for 150 years. Oh, my God. Came out in 1868 by Louisa May Alcott, autobiographical. I'm not not acquainted with this at all. I went in totally fresh. I didn't, I've never really, I almost never even heard of this before. I hadn't seen any of the other films. Definitely didn't know about the 94 version. I had no idea. Greta Gerwig's doing Little Women. Oh, it's a remake? Oh, interesting. That's all I knew. But probably if you're a woman, you know about this more than we do because we're illiterate. 100%. My my girlfriend, Emily, was all about it. She was like, I grew up on that film. Yeah. (laughs) And it's inspired a lot of people because it, for its time, which we'll get into, was insane in what it was writing about and what it inspired for people. But it's a bit controversial as to Louisa May Alcott, the author of this, whether it was what she wanted to write, whether Mm -hmm. her intent behind Mm -hmm. it was valid or not. And that gets explored a little bit in the movies. But just to get started for some history behind this, the Civil War, as we know, was 1861 to 1865. This thing came out in 1868 and then the second book in 1869, so very shortly after. Mm. It was an immediate critical and commercial success. Really? So the first one came out in 68, then the second volume was called Good Wives and then just got bunched in into the whole Little Women book. Oh, interesting. Which made it much bigger, but that came out immediately a couple months after. Then she did a couple more sequels, of course. Little Men in 1871, Mm. about the school that the main character founds, and then Joe's Boys in 86, about her children. Oh. So, cashing in on the license. I'm over here seething. We'll get into it later. (laughs) Of popularity. The big reason that it's popular is because of the themes, uh, the women's struggle between family duty, personal growth. This was something that had not been explored or even cared about. (laughs) Before this, it was like, Oh, you're just a you're just a family. This is the oh, forefront yeah. of the forefront of progressive feminist thought, and yeah, it's pretty astounding. Eighteen eighteen sixty eight. Yeah, gender stereotyping. This plays around with that a lot. Specifically, something that I found interesting was that the main character, the main main little woman, is named Joe, even though she goes by Josephine, which is a ambiguous guy's name Mm -hmm. and then the guy is theodore but people make fun of him because they call him dory so he goes by (laughs) laurie which is potentially a woman's name yeah he is much more feminine and she is much more tomboyish and wants to join the civil war and do all this stuff yeah which doesn't make them necessarily a smart match but the fact that she plays around with that for the character stereotypes Mm -hmm. in this i'll post a link to a clip of friends where uh Joey is reading Little Women. Oh, really? (laughs) And he he gets so confused by it. Oh, no. Um, It's just funny to see how it permeated the cultural consciousness there. But yeah, the other thing is the necessity of work because of Louisa May Alcott's poor upbringing. She had to work all the time, and that was looked down upon. Women were more the arts and couldn't really contribute, Mm -hmm. and the men were working, but she wants to do the work. And then the other big one is the importance of being genuine, which is the big hook that Mm. gets most people on this. There's four sisters and a mom. There's hardly any men in the story, or if they are, it's they don't contribute anything. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to be a woman in this time? And that's why it's been adapted over and over again. Touched on it briefly, but why this thing is so different for this time. 
she also merged two different genres of writing for the time, which it's kind of like a children's fiction book because it's centered around kids, Mm -hmm. at least in the first one. And then the sentimental novels of the time were its own separate thing. So she put them together because like we had talked about with other stuff in terms of Dr. Seuss or these things where it was like Dick and Jane which comes about much later, but like children's were just moral fairy tale stories, right. but she merged them with the sentimental novels of the time, which have more character development and aren't specifically, okay, kid does this, learns this lesson, end of the chapter, on to the next one. Right. Making more it more real. Really, yeah. really trying to relate to the everyday lives of the, of the children while having a, a, a concrete moral somewhere in there. <laughs> exactly. In 1927, which is 10 years after the first silent film adaptation, there was a poll of high schoolers, and they said that Little Women was the most influential book to them for that time period. The second was the Bible. Wow. So you can see how immediately after it was critically and commercially successful. That's Uh, staggering. Yeah. How this thing came about, like we said, it was 68 the story is semi-autobiographical or autobiographical. She changes names and does stuff, but for the most part, it's about her life. Her publisher said she should write a book with mainstream appeal to girls, and she wasn't into it. Quote from her, I plod away, although I don't enjoy this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. She wrote it in record time for money, again, quoting her. Mm-hmm. That was the reason that she did it. <laughs> Amen, she was sister. Poor. <laughs> she wanted to make money for her and her family, and this is what the publisher wanted, so she did it. It took 10 weeks for her to write. Wow. So she How many it, pages is it? It's like 500. Well, the, the total thing is like 500-something. Yeah. yeah. But like I said, the other one came out. She wrote that in three months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. after it. Uh, the publisher didn't like it, <laughs> but he, he showed some chapters to his little nieces, and they loved it. So he was like, well, I'm not the uh, the audience for this. So I think and that is a moment that is in the new Gerwig film that is, that wasn't present in the mm-hmm. 94 film that I thought was interesting. They, she does a little bit more with the publisher, or the editor there. And that's one instance that that is present in the new film is actually his daughters have found it. And was like, tell me you have the other part of this. We need the rest of this. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what gets it going for the last like 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Like I said, she didn't like it that much, though. She said it was moral pap fit for children, (laughs) though it sold out immediately. And then she supported her family. She was rich after that. Nice. And gave money to everything. We we talked about before in a really early episode, Pride and Prejudice. And I kind of lump all these sorts of works together as Mm -hmm. one thing and don't understand how that means anything different. Pride and Prejudice was released in 1813, so 50 years before this. And if you think about it, it's like a book from the 70s versus now. That's a very different time culturally, 50 years apart in terms of growth. So we know things have changed since then, but things have not changed in terms of women's writing since then. Yeah, what if the only piece of writing you could look to to you know, show an example of perhaps how you should lead your life was written in the 70s. 40 years ago, yeah, 50 yeah. years ago. <laughs> exactly. So that's also why it was big. And it, this is in America versus England as well. This is also during a time of massive immigration. So a huge wave of immigration into America happens between 1880 and 1920. Mm. We received 20 million immigrants in that time frame. And the population of America in 1880 was 50 million. Wow. So this is a huge uh, influence in terms of people coming into this new land. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of struck by thinking about that. Yeah. Of, hey, if you're a woman coming into this country, this is what we're about. Potentially, this is a huge bestseller, extremely novel for its time of 
the main character is a woman who is a professional writer, which is what this woman is. It's like it is possible. Yeah. Here. The so, embodiment of the American dream. If you're stepping foot in America for the first time. Yeah. As, especially as a woman. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Louisa May Alcott, she didn't fight in the Civil War, but she was involved in the Civil War and got a uh, typhoid fever, and they cured her with mercury, which obviously oh poisoned gosh. her. So she died at age 55. Oh, no. Because after that, she had constant health problems for the next 20 years. Um, but after Little Women, she just wrote novels and children's books and things like that. Yeah. But wrote off of the success of that. Did um, she ever have anything that was, you know, obviously not as successful, but something that... that- you know, garnered some sort of praise. Not really. Like no? I said, the sequels from this were, but the, the core Little Women stories carried her through because it's never been out of print since then. She was 36 years old when the book came out. Mm. But like I said, she only lived until 55. And the big thing with Little Women, as you know from watching the thing, it's it's very much based or seems like it would be based on her and her life. I don't know if they get into this in the movie because with a lot of these adaptations, they change things around or make it more about her life or less about her life or involve more things in the book. But in real life, she was neighbors with Ralph Waldo Emerson, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Whoa. and Henry David Thoreau. What? The Alcott's lived what? right next to them. Oh my God. So she had a huge literary influence oh my God. early on. Her dad was part of this transcendental movement, which is an optimistic group of humans who think we're capable of great thoughts, great ideas. They advocated nonconformity. Um, Saying they mentioned that in the 94 film, but I don't remember that being mentioned outright in the Gerwig film. Mm -hmm. That's where she's growing up, although her dad in the book is this preacher who is gone and then helps in the Civil War. He was actually much more of a socialist and didn't agree with getting paid, and so he constantly needed handouts, and they were in horrible, horrible poverty Um. as children. Their poverty was so crazy that in 20 years, they moved 20 times. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, as far as her early writing, then she uh, started writing for The Atlantic, which is still a magazine that exists, writing more salacious, sensational stories. <laughs> she wrote racy sort of novels uh, in the 1860s. One of them is called A Long Fatal Love Chase, which wasn't found out that that was actually her who wrote it. It was oh, an fun. unpublished manuscript, and it got published in 1995. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. Yeah. What is that about? So it's about this... W- woman who I think it's she moves to Europe because Louisa May Alcott spent time in Europe as well and falls for this guy and then she's like oh no he's not the right one but then he falls for her and so she's trying to get away from him and it's almost like this strange thriller where he's kind of this stalker mm. of her very different because has nothing Lost to do manuscript. with That's women being in the home <laughs> and right. it's like nothing like little women <laughs> a woman running from a man <laughs> yeah <laughs> But they didn't really know it was her. How'd they find it? They figured out it was her through a series of letters that she had written that had mentioned that pen name. Oh, wow. Um, that is super cool. But in terms of her writing, the the legacy that she leaves, Margaret Atwood and J.K. Rowling cite her as influence along with tons of other sure, sure. Uh, female creators. The controversy, though, with this, and which you can talk to in terms of the movie, this was not the book that she wanted to write. Um, she never married. She specifically wanted to subvert marriage ideals and what is possible with for women and just different lives of women like she saw from her actual sisters. Mm-hmm. In the story, the four sisters have completely different ways of going about life. None of them are really good or bad. It's just saying like, hey, these are the different opportunities that you can have if you choose different things. Obviously, it's based on 
her there, transcendental influences and in saying that you can do what you want to do. But there's a particularly um, poignant line where one of her sisters says something to the effect of just because you don't want what we want doesn't make it bad. Mm-hmm. And that that's um, definitely something that, that, that sits with me. Having a brother um, and having a stepbrother as well, just having just, you know, seeing how lies leave and lead and, and my, and my friends as well. Um, that's something that, that I've definitely, you know, thought about in my life and have ha- I've been on both sides of that. Some people, even though it is lauded as a feminist piece of literature, is like, well, everybody by the end is married or dead. So how does that? Well, we can't forget that this happens in a particular place in time. And yeah. People have particular thoughts at this place in time, and you can't do anything to change that. Um, the fact is that this is the most progressive feminist literary work up mm-hmm. until this point at the moment. You can't judge it against a 2019 or a 2020 standard. Thought progresses. Um, thank God for that. You know, like, thank God that, that things change and we get better. We should be seeing, look how far we've come and look at the people who were fighting this battle then. They didn't even know what they were on the precipice of, really, but they did. Yeah. And Alcott had said the whole thing with the second book is they didn't know what it was going to be. The first part of the book is just their childhood. And she's like, we'll see. She literally writes like this story will be decided by the readers as the curtain closes on this story. And then, of course, readers were like, oh, yeah, we want more, which Mm -hmm. then became Good Wives, which is an interesting title. But she had said all the readers wrote in and they're like, who's Joe going to marry? Who's Joe going to marry? She's like, I didn't want Joe to marry anybody because like (laughs) I said, it's based on her. She never got married. And that she made her mm-hmm, career as a mm-hmm. successful woman with no husband writing for herself. But the readers were like, how do we, you know, who's she going to marry? So what she does in the book and in the movies is marry her off to somebody who she chooses to marry, who is not Laurie, the person that is her friend mm-hmm. during the childhood part, but this other guy. And in the book, he's a much older character than they make him out to be in any of the movie adaptations. He's like a he's like 15 years older than her. He's like a 40 something. Well, actually, that's in the 90 version, in uh-huh. the 94 version, that's exactly what he looks like he's to me. I, w- I was like, oh man, he is he is significantly older than her. And this is a particular choice. And it's odd because they're more of an intellectual match yes. than a personal, but it's like that's, but that's what that's she would the be thing. interested and, in. And getting into the 94 version, he he is the one saying, I want you to be happy with your work. I, you don't mm-hmm. have to care about pleasing anybody else. Who cares what the, the, the newspapers, what anybody says? Are you happy with it? That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, that is uh, a, kind of the, the looming controversy point here is she, you know, she made decisions in her narrative that are not quite what she chose in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does it through a character that is presenting a higher truth, I think. Right. Um, And unfortunately, with the book, where a lot of people take issue nowadays is the fact that she does marry off to this guy, stops writing, opens up this school for boys. But in terms of the way in which she does it, she's showing like, hey, Joe meets him in the middle. She seeks him out, which is a choice for her as opposed to something else. It's not about this guy's money. It's not about it's an odd match. It's about do you see me for real? Can we talk? Can we really can we can we connect? Um, can we check each other? Do I have a confidant in my work? Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that a, a creative needs. So I, I connected with that a lot. I, I like the, the the idea of this care of the Tudor character. They do age him way down though in the <laughs> new version. Um, and maybe that's because of our modern times. It'd, it'd be perceived as too weird. Yeah. to have him be in his forties. 
But yeah, she did not want to cater to her audience. So she was like, I'm going to do something weird. That's the cool thing, to, though, is to be like, well, the real the real girl didn't. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're going, well, she, well, the real girl didn't that, that that almost I mean, I mean, that's why they want to fold this into uh, the new one a the little one, bit. Yeah. That's the, the ultimate thing is like, well, I'm 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 disappointed where the narrative led. Well, mm-hmm. the narrative is based on real life, and actually, the real life real life version ended ended up this way. What does that tell you about the choices she made along the way? Why she made those choices? Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of the the other thing with the marriage choices, I'll just read a quote from her from an interview that was given in 1884. She said, quote, I am more than half persuaded that I am a man's soul put by some freak of nature into a woman's body. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer said her blue eyes sparkled with laughter when she asked why. And she replied, quote, well, for one thing, because I have fallen in love in my life with so many pretty girls and never once the least bit with any man, <laughs> which she definitely could not have put <laughs> in the novel, but she did in so many ways. Wow. The other thing in terms of the marriage, she said in this interview, quote, girls write to ask who the little women marry as if that was the only aim and the end of a woman's life. I won't marry Joe to Lori to please anyone. Mm-hmm. But she knew she had to in terms of her audience, because, again, she's trying to make money. Mm-hmm. This is a practical thing as well as a idealistic thing. Yeah. You can't divorce the time and place, the context of this work from it. Um, it is it is a product of it. <laughs> I'm just thinking vastly about the the films here because I I saw totally fresh. I went into the Gerwig version. I was really with it. I cried a bunch, and I'm I'm going through. But I feel like I peaked right in the middle. She plays with the structure of it immediately. Mm-hmm. This is framed around her returning home because Beth is sick, and then it's about remembering. This is her younger sister who has given so much to the family, and now she's sick because of it. And just for our listeners, the all the other adaptations, it's like a very chronological. They're kids, they're growing up, they're learning lessons, and then there's a break, and then the second book starts, and Meg, the oldest sister, is getting married to this guy, and then it follows their adulthood. So it is told out of order, and the piece is given to you as she is like uh, coming back into her world. But it's nice. It, it, I, I like I like the idea there, but I think overall. And I think, obviously, as the girls in 1869 were, they're worried about the Joe and Lori relationship. I found myself very much in that same camp going, I'm I'm very interested in what is going to happen here. I suspect they're not going to get together, but how? What I didn't expect is that their relationship really climaxes halfway through. Mm -hmm. I'm still going back and forth, trying to put together everything that happens through the last act of the film. And by the time I get there, I've already arrived at so many emotional conclusions. I was feeling very deflated by the end of the film and very con- very confused as to what ex- what exactly I was supposed to take from it. And I started talking with uh, Emily and about the 94 version. I immediately was like, well, I need to watch the 94 version. I want to get that. I want to see what that is like yeah. because it might illuminate some really big additions here some big changes something it'll 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 really show me exemplify why they went and did this this past year and i gotta say i was shocked i actually like it better Mm. Uh, i was far more taken with it um by the end of the film i'm i'm it's all paying off naturally in succession with each other i'm at the height of my emotion you know 15 minutes before the movie ends 
yeah. very classically, very well done as far as where my emotions are with all the characters. I was shocked to see how many p- scenes played out identically. Mm-hmm. And I mean identically almost. I mean, it is yeah. right. I mean, obviously it comes from a source material. But I started just really wondering where the freshness of the ver- of the new version came in and, and yeah. why. Um, that, that freshness, we, yeah. It might, if For those that don't know, Greta Gerwig has her particular aim on stories. And so she is very concerned with, and she even said in a quote, uh, maybe this isn't exactly it, but uh, women and art and money, mm-hmm. which is a huge part of Louisa May Alcott's story, which is why she puts her more into the movie in that way. Whereas other things might be about, like we said in the earlier themes, it might be about familial duty versus personal growth. Mm-hmm. It might be about gender stereotyping. It might be about the necessity of work. So with these older adaptations, like there was a, a silent film version in 1918. Then the first sound version was in 1933 with Catherine Hepburn as Joe. Good Lord. Which is a great casting because she's Absolutely. the tomboyish jumping over fences yeah and man that's all perfect that i didn't know that um but in 1933 the whole family's frugality had more of a nationalistic bent mm-hmm. and so in mm-hmm. certain scenes where they're given money it, very early on in the book they're like oh we should give this to our mom for her christmas present and then they help this poor family have breakfast mm-hmm. instead of them but in the 1933 version it's more about even though it's set in the 1800s it's about four duty and country and that Mm. kind of thing because it was the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's when this thing is coming about. The first color version came out in 49 with Elizabeth Taylor as Amy, who's the more artsy uh, character who goes off to Europe. And in this one, this is four years after Victory in Europe Day. The neighbor, Lori, is conspicuously not Italian. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's funny. Um, <laughs> in the in in that version, because it came out right after World War II. And then in this 1994 adaptation, there is much more of a struggle for them. They're just focusing on the woman aspect of yeah. it more than anything. So this had Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon. Nominated for an Academy Award, we must say, Winona Three. Ryder was. It was a, yeah. Well, I was just saying particularly in Winona Ryder. Yeah. This is the first film adaptation written and directed by women. The writer, Robin Swicord, and producer Amy Pascal spent 12 years pitching the film to male executives wow. who didn't think a movie with five female leads oh would become anything. So then it became it came out in 94, was a huge box office success. Yeah. Three Academy Award nominations. They made it happen. So I think looking at the progression of this over time, you can see how slightly for the time and place they're trying to take the 1860 version and turn it into either what the creators are interested in highlighting because there's so much to mm-hmm. it or slightly adapting it, but still keeping it in the time and place. Well, see, and, I, and I'm something that overwhelmingly hit me watching the new version is it felt very modern. They speak very modernly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am certain that's for the performances. The performances are very good. They're very naturalistic. They are millennials and they speak in a certain way. And you're going to get these types of performances out of them by having them be as comfortable as possible. And that is what they've done. Yeah. Uh, it does not sell the period in stark contrast by watching the 1994 because they pay attention to all of that type of stuff yeah. and the period. I have to say, 94 version sells that period just overall. It feels more cohesive in that sense. Yeah. Um. And and I don't want to say anything. I'm not saying anything negative about the the Greta Gerwig version. It's a beautiful film. I like. I said I cried when multiple they, and times. Yeah. Just as a thing for our audience. But things we're are so trying good, to get in we, the weeds here of yeah. multiple versions, adaptations. Why creators make certain decisions 
decisions, how those decisions get purported here. And so it is such a it is such a mind melt here, figuring out, trying to get in the mind of Greta Gerwig and seeing where she she saw the 94 version and all the versions preceding it and the the history of the of the material. What is she going to do with it? And I, I see a couple glimmers of it. I mean, obviously, the financial, the being a, a savvy businesswoman, keeping your copyright, uh, she yeah. she throws all the good things in. But we, we, I kind of get the idea that maybe that she's probably not going to marry, but they don't say that explicitly. And the tutor is still very present and he comes yeah. back home. It happens almost exactly the same in both films. But they tack on of I'm keeping my copyright because I'm just yeah. as good as a, a businessman as you are, sir. Mm-hmm. Um but ultimately, that's not the whole narrative. That's at least not emotionally where I was yeah. throughout the whole film. Like I said, I'm trying to f- figure out how is this going to resolve and where am I going to be by the end of this that feels good with these characters in this family. I think there's a, a little bit of a misstep as the structure here because emotionally and kind of spent for yeah. the back act. And I thought watching the 94 version would illuminate, it would reveal to me all of the yeah. actually did the opposite. Um, a, yeah. In a quote from Greta, she said, part of what I wanted to do was 150 years later, give her an ending that she might have liked in, in terms of Louisa May Alcott. I thought if we can't do this now, then we've really made no progress and we should all hang our heads. So it seems like that, like we said, is the big driver for her. And like we said, with her previous work, she did Lady Bird and she did Francis Ha, which are all about young women definitely pursuing their their careers i mean based on that quote she did that i mean she absolutely did that but i have to as an audience member i'm i've been in the theater for two hours and i have to go you wanted to do that was this whole thing worth it to just do is that really the one thing and i and i and i thought it can't be the one thing so i watched the other movie and i'm and i'm left more so feeling like yeah maybe it is the one thing she really Mm -hmm. wanted to do for the story she didn't do the story a disservice by any means, right. by any stretch of the imagination. It's a beautiful film. It will be nominated for some Oscars, I'm sure. Um, also, we are probably the outliers who have not seen or dealt with any of this stuff and guaranteed everybody who's going to see the 2019 version has seen the 94 version <laughs> or read the books or knows the story and what it's about. To, so to see the smaller nuance of it adjusted is worth the price of admission or is worth saying, let's look at this material yeah. 20 plus years later. And turn it into something else. The the modern edge of it too. That's something that I that I um yeah. that I could, that I couldn't swing away from is that just in the performances and the, the way that everybody speaks feels very modern. And it and it kind of begged the question for me of of was, was there more material? Was there something else? Could you recontextualize this? Yeah. Could you open it up, broaden it out? Could you put it in a different place in time? Mm. There's a struggle when you try to take the forefront of progressive thought as we know it right now and insert it into 1869. Yeah. Like I said, thought has (laughs) progressed. I feel like this might have been more interesting to me to see a Greta Gerwig version set in modern day. Yeah. What does this look like now? So I did look this up and there was a version that is a modern retelling of this that actually came out last, well, I guess two years ago now, but 2018, it came Mm. out. But it was, you know, some schmaltzy underfunded thing that got horrible reviews and was like a Hallmark movie cookie cutter character sort of thing. But it does exist and it's called Little Women and it came out in 2018 (laughs) and it's with modern, you know. I wonder. Yeah. Now I'm curious. New women, same story (laughs) kind of of thing. Um, 
there seems there's so much more material. Mm-hmm. I mean, hearing that there's a whole book about the school and what goes on there, I'm like, that sounds, that sounds Joe's super children. Yeah. Yeah. There's the hearing hearing how much more material there was, there's more to explore here than trying to retell the same story. And, yeah. and whilst while Hollywood is stuck in this capitalizing <laughs> on existing IP and and bringing built-in audiences along, I I get it. But yeah. Well, if you also, do also, Greta yeah, Gerwig is yeah. a fantastic artist, and I think a modern day version of the story from her would be exceptional. Yeah, if you are interested in more story versions of this in a film context, in and a bit quirky, in 1987, Japan made an anime version of Little Women that no ran for way. 48 half hour episodes. It covers all the books. It covers Joe's. Yeah, book. it covers all of it. <laughs> this is tight. <laughs> So if you want to see that, I think I'll post a link to some uh, clips on YouTube. But that came out in 87. Man, this is great. And they loved it. (laughs) I got to say, the most unexpected moment for me watching um, both of these films was watching the 94 version right towards the end. Beth passes away and the maid is in her room uh, after it's been made up. And she's spreading rose petals all around, all over the bed over the piano that she plays and I go, Oh my gosh, this is really, this is really, really touching. But then they go to the foot of the bed and she, and they have all of her dolls, all of her childhood dolls lined up. And Mm -hmm. then instantly they're all girls. I instantly go, Oh my God, there they all are. There's the family. Yeah. And then rose petals sprinkled across all of them. I lost it. I just absolutely, I broke down. This is just after Beth having, having, you know, and everything is coming together. And I know that the relation, you know, Teddy's getting with Amy and it's all happening. And, yeah. it, and it, and, and, but this little quiet, no dialogue scene just absolutely tore me down. It was, it was gorgeous. Uh, I, I felt more in that than the rest of that film and the other film almost put combined. Cause you can see in a chronological sense, which is what people loved in the book is the fact that they are growing together. Yes. There's these wacky, crazy the sisters. passing of time, yeah. And then once Meg gets married or once they start becoming women, yeah. how they start, all of this, they could be anything, starts to, like with anybody's yeah. life, starts to fall away. And you're like, who am I going to be? And yeah. if I make these choices, am I not going to have this? And is that okay? And there's so many different ways that you can take life, but you are going to drift apart as sisters or as family. Or- it's like watching somebody just sprinkle time across you know a whole family and that was the it was a visual metaphor for me i don't know if that was the intent but i instantly that's what i'm feeling she's sprinkling these petals over these over these girl dolls and uh, how it was it was absolutely gorgeous um there's so much in in this material uh it it struck me both both versions and i don't and again i don't i want to say that i'm not downplaying the the Greta Gerwig version or saying that it's done a disservice, that it's bad yeah. in any way, any stretch of the imagination. It's very, very, very good. It's a very delicate movie. But it's just a testament to how strong this material is. Evan watched the same story twice and cried both times yeah. this week. Yeah, I knew exactly. Yeah. I was texting Emily. I was just like, when uh, when uh, she when Joe refuses Teddy, and I I can't go through this again. I can't. <laughs> and you know, it's it, it's a beautiful scene. It's just it's just a gorgeous scene. It's but it does play out almost identically. <laughs> but it's a gorgeous scene. But then being that close and feeling the feeling evoked from it that similar. Mm-hmm. Man, this material must be great. Yeah. That's all I'm sitting there thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The book was quite a quite a treat. Long. Long. A festival. <laughs> yeah. Well, two books. Yeah. Two books, two movies. Look at that. 
<laughs> All right. It. Yeah. Well, let us know at Illiterate Pod on Instagram. Uh, there's so much to this, but let yeah, us let know. me know if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. I'm mean, full well might have missed something. You know, it's right. It, especially with the Gerwig film, it's so meditative. It, the structure of it goes back and forth. I certainly could have missed some things. So feel free to call me out on on our Insta. <laughs> or if you thought Louisa May Alcott wouldn't have liked that, or whether, yeah, 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 or your story behind what, what if you read the book as a kid, what it meant to you. We're still giving away stickers. So if you want to message us at IlliteratePod on Instagram, you can get some cool illiterate stickers. And until next week, we'll see you.